Now broadcasting from the Next Gen Conservative Studio in sunny South Florida. Bringing you the latest in politics, current events, and pop culture. This is the Whitfield Report with Sam Whitfield. Hello there, folks, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Whitfield Report. I am your host, Sam Whitfield, and uh, I hope you all had a great weekend. I know I did. Very relaxing. During the weekend, however, a couple of interesting events uh, occurred. There was, uh, of course, CPAC uh, 2023 the Conservative Political Action Conference, which I have to admit, I didn't really turn into uh, CPAC all that much, ladies and gentlemen. I saw a couple highlights, but generally, ladies and gentlemen, I have not been interested in CPAC uh, really for about the past two years or so. Um, I've been to enough political conferences of my own. I, I've, I've never been to CPAC itself, but I, I've been to uh, the Western Conservative Summit in uh, Denver, Colorado a few times. In fact, that was my very first political convention that I attended way back when I was a senior in high school, uh, you know, several years ago. And I met Glenn Beck there several years ago. And uh, that photo of when Glenn Beck and I, that had kind of circulated and, uh, you know, has that's kind of become one of my more well-known uh, public photos out there. Um, so I've been to the Western Conservative some a few times, and I've also been to uh, Yalcon, which is, uh, you know, that's the Young Americans for Liberty. That's their convention. Uh, I went to one of those a few years ago, and then I've just been to various uh, other, you know, smaller conservative event events uh, here in Florida, and they all are essentially the same thing. They're more or less networking events for, you know, conservatives. Um uh, and that's what they are at the end of the day. Um, and CPAC is no different. In fact, uh, Dennis Miller put it, uh, you know, el put it so eloquently a few years, you know, probably like 15 years ago when he was broadcasting from CPAC. He basically said it was like, uh, it was like 4th of July meets uh, the Star Wars Cantina Bar. Uh, scene and uh, you know that that's not based on footage I've seen and my experience at other conservative conventions uh, that's not too far uh, you know that that's not too far from the truth regarding uh, you know a, an accurate description of CPAC um but anyway, one of the reasons why I've never been able to go is, uh, you know, two reasons. A, when I was in college, they would always, uh, you know, host in, in like late February, early March. And of course, uh, my school, whenever I've, whenever I was in school, uh, that was usually either when finals were, uh, or no, when midterms were either, uh, getting ready to start or when I was in the midst of uh, midterms. So not a really good, uh, you know, spot for me to, uh, you know, fly to D.C. Even even for the weekend, uh, that wasn't ever really that good for me to do that. And then on top of all that, just the, the pricing uh, is you know, really expensive because they, they hold at the Gaylord Hotel in DC, which is like, it's, it's like 15 to 2000 
uh, you know, dollars for just the weekend at CPAC. And, uh, you know, for two nights in, uh, you know, three days, which is, you know, not a pretty penny. And that's just the starting price. So, yeah, I, I've never been to CPAC uh, myself, but, you know, I've, I've watched highlights over the years. And I don't know, to be honest, uh, you know, over the past couple of years, uh, CPAC just doesn't have the fire that it used to, uh, to me. Maybe it's just because I've gotten older and uh, whatnot, but they're just, the role wasn't that much energy at CPAC uh, this year from what I could see. And uh, not a whole lot of Twitter buzz either regarding, uh, you know, CPAC, which is weird because. Uh, in years past, like conservative uh, Twitter was usually, you know, going over bow by, blow by blow, you know, minute by minute coverage of, you know, CPAC in years past. And now it's just kind of dwindled down. Uh, but at any rate, I figured we would cover uh, CPAC regardless, cover a couple of highlights. Um, just in general, um, since it is relevant and let me say this from the outset, people were looking for, uh, you know, like lines in the sand to be drawn and, uh, you know, policy for 2024 and, uh, battle plans to really be set up but i didn't see too much of that uh this year at at cpac which is really weird considering it's the year before an election year uh not too many people you know cpac were really gearing up for 24 seems it kind of seems like an off year which to be fair it is but it's also the year right before the election so you think there would be more energy um in CPAC, but regardless, those are just some of my criticisms from the outset. Now, I was tempted to uh, view Trump's speech in its entirety and dissect it in its entirety for you all. However, I am trying to keep these uh, Monday podcasts under an hour um and trump's entire speech is like an hour and 50 minutes it's almost two hours so definitely not going to do that i did find a pretty good highlight uh compilation of trump's uh you know cpac speech from from newsmax that i think does a pretty good job of some of the highlights but then I wanted to cover uh, some other highlights from some other people as well. Uh, most notably, first off, we have uh, Nikki Haley, who, uh, you know, delivered some remarks at CPAC. And it looks like she she's gearing up to throw her hat in the ring uh, in 24 as well. So without further ado, let's take a look at this. Uh, roll the tape. The liberal media's heads are exploding about my run for president. And we all know why. The media can't stand the fact that I'm a conservative. Think about it. I'm a woman, I'm a minority, and I'm the daughter of immigrants. I am proof that liberals are wrong about everything they say about America. Americans deserve better than the way we're living today. And I'm confident we can take our country to her best days. The plan I'm calling for will do just that. It's fundamentally conservative and profoundly American. And I know we can unite our people. But real unity doesn't come from faint hearts or watered down compromises. 
Real national unity comes from boldly proclaiming our national purpose. It comes from standing on principle and persuading opponents to stand with us, like I did when I was governor and when I was ambassador. I'll take this message far and wide in the days ahead. But I have a particular message for you, my fellow conservatives. We've lost the popular vote in the last seven out of eight presidential elections. Our cause is right, but we have failed to win the confidence of a majority of Americans. That ends now. If you're tired of losing, put your trust in a new generation. And if you want to win, not just as a party, but as a country, then stand with me. I'm here to ask for your vote, but I want something else even more. I want us to inspire our country again. Together, we can summon our fellow citizens to look past the failed ideas and leaders from Washington and find the courage to be part of the solution. It is time that we have term limits once and for all in Washington, D.C. Americans deserve better than the way we're living today, and I'm confident we can take our country to her best days. The plan I'm calling for will do just that. It's fundamentally conservative and profoundly American. And I know we can unite our people. But real unity doesn't come from faint hearts or watered-down compromises. Real national unity comes from boldly proclaiming our national purpose. It comes from standing on principle and persuading opponents to stand with us like I did when I was governor and when I was ambassador. I'll take this message far and wide in the days ahead. But I have a particular message for you, my fellow conservatives. We've lost the popular vote in the last seven out of eight presidential elections. Our cause is right, but we have failed to win the confidence of a majority of Americans. That ends now. If you're tired of losing, so basically, ABC News just looped, uh, you know, what they they basically looped her remarks uh, and played them twice in the video, right? So my first impression from seeing that is because I didn't really see her. I did see Trump's whole speech, and it's long. I'm not going to have time to play the whole thing, as I said. But one but one thing I might take away from, you know, the clip of Nikki Haley, this was supposedly a big moment at CPAC, right? But I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking to myself, how? How was this a you know, big defining moment, uh, you know, for Nika Haley. This sounds like almost every, you know, conservative uh, speech that I've heard going back to Sarah Palin in 2008. It's not new. Our ideas are better. We need, you know, common sense solutions, all that. But she's not really, she's not energetic, really. It seems like she's just doing the standard, you know, conservative ink, uh, you know, type speech. Very, uh, very boomer-ish as far as presentation. She says she has great policy ideas, and I, I realize that this is a highlight reel, but still, what are those policies? Has she outlined anything specific that she wants to do? I've looked. I can't see a whole lot regarding what her actual policy is. So, so far, we have Donald Trump and we have Nikki Haley, who's 
coming off as a real milquetoast um, conservative, right? Then we have uh, Mike Pompeo, who um, I guess, let me just make sure that this is showing here. Okay, it is. So Mike Pompeo uh, also made a speech at CPAC and his biggest uh, moment at CPAC came from the fact that he basically criticized Trump, right? So he took a shot at the big man here, and uh, let's see what he has to say. Okay, I got the clip queued up. Again, this is uh, Mike Pompeo at CPAC. This comes from the Washington Post. Uh, Pompeo. In the video is uh, Pompeo criticizes Trump's refusal to quote-unquote acknowledge reality. Okay, so clip number two, roll the tape. We, we have to also... We have to also show why, to show why and how we're different from the left, embracing conservatism that sets us apart in substance and style and our commitment to values. Liberals look for solutions in the government. We, we, we know that's dangerous. Don't hand that government more power under the guise of conservatism. We shouldn't look for larger-than-life personalities, but rather we should find power in the rooms like this one, people all across the country. And I'm confident we're going to get that. A renewed dedication to accountability, personal responsibility, and results. This is the thing that has made the conservative movement and our party successful for decades. We can't become the left, following celebrity leaders with their own brand of identity politics, those with fragile egos who refuse to acknowledge reality. This is a tough world, both abroad and here. And we, need, we can't shift blame to others, but must accept the responsibility that comes to those of us who step forward and lead. There's no... Over the last few years, I, I've heard some who claim to be conservative excuse hypocrisy by saying something like, well, we're, we're electing a president, not a Sunday school teacher. Mm, that's true. Um, but having taught Sunday school, maybe we could get both. It's, uh, it's, time, it's time for us, it's time for us to make sure we're living out these very things we're asking others to do. These external threats, these internal threats that we face today, they're a challenge to American sovereignty, our traditions. So again, Mark Pompeo, ladies and gentlemen, like Nikki Haley is another uh, individual who really didn't say anything other than the traditional you know, conservative ink buzz word, right? Uh, we need, you know, conservative values, traditional values. He also, for some reason, he thought that bashing Trump and his supporters, you know, and calling him a, a you know, someone with a massive ego and, uh, you know, who, who talks tough and doesn't understand reality, he thought that that would, you know, gain him traction by going over, over, you know, by, uh, you know, taking a shot at Trump. But as you could see, the the crowd was, you know, at best he got a few claps, you know, for we need to be more responsible with our, with our ideas. His energy was very, uh, you know, low. Low energy, Mike, uh, as Trump might say. And all in all, he was not very energetic either. Now, uh, people have said that Mike Pompeo would be a good nominee to run. But just from the outset, you know, 
putting aside everything that Pompeo just said, which was a very weak speech, Pompeo's big problem and why he will struggle in the presidential field is this. Mike Pompeo was uh, the director of the CIA for Donald Trump. And granted, he was a very good CIA director for Trump. But what what the people in Washington don't understand and what the establishment what the establishment Republicans either don't understand or what they don't care about is the fact that a lot of people, a lot of conservatives, and just how people in general, a lot of people are weary of the CIA or any of these other alphabet agencies and the people who lead them. And so the fact that Pompeo's background is in military intelligence these days in 2023 and in 2024, that is going to be a huge uh, obstacle and roadblock for Mike Pompeo. And there are a lot of people who have a strong distrust of him because he was a CIA director and I'm not even saying anything conspiratorial about him. I'm just saying that a lot of people have mistrust mistrust in him because he was CIA director and you know being director of the CIA automatically equals you know the shadowy government types in a lot of people's minds. So that's you know that's a big thing. I think is going to be a huge obstacle for Mike Pompeo if he decides to run. Right. Okay. So, so now, before we get to Trump, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, I uh, I want to go ahead here, and I want to talk about a few of the people who uh, were not at CPAC uh, 2023 this year. And one of those people, well, there's only one I want to talk about, and that is Governor Ron DeSantis, my governor from the great state of Florida. And he did not make an appearance at CPAC this year uh, for two reasons. The first one is pretty obvious, to me at least, and that is that Governor DeSantis is busy doing his job running the state of Florida and being our leader. Uh, he's busy doing his job as governor, and he's not going to be at CPAC, uh, you know, unless it were in Florida, he would not, you know, I don't think he would leave the state to do political something like that right which leads me to my next point which is a lot of people are saying that he's going to be the trojan horse candidate the surprise candidate that is going to challenge trump he's going to to be the big uh you know uh you know, that's going to be the rivalry, Trump versus DeSantis in the Republican primaries. There are a lot of people, particularly in the Lincoln Project, who want that to happen. And it very well could happen. But as I have said before, and as my co-host Shmuley has said, uh, you know, too, and several others, that is not a smart idea for uh, DeSantis because there are a lot of you know a lot of DeSantis's supporters are also Trump supporters the vast majority of them I would say and so 
by having Trump versus DeSantis, DeSantis would be alienating his own base, right? And so that would not be good for him. I Trump would beat him, you know, in the primary. And then in 2028, when DeSantis needed help, I think a lot of MAGA conservatives would not back him per se, and his 2028 would run would be in the ground. Now, because of that, I you know, I I think DeSantis knows that running in 2024 would not be optical for him. I think he knows that, and I think that's why he decided not to show up at CPAC 2023. There are all these people, you know, in the Lincoln Project and in kind of conservative and in conservative ink, if if that's what you'll call them, that desperately want Trump and DeSantis to face off against each other, right? They desperately want that. But DeSantis, I think, knows that this is bad, I that it's a bad idea. He has said publicly that his only intentions as of right now are to be the best governor that he can be for the state of Florida and continue his work. And I believe him. And I, I don't think it's because he's afraid of going up against Trump or anything like that. I don't think it's matter of, oh, is he, you know, fearful of Trump or is he not? I think he realizes practically that it would not be optical for him. And plus, more than that, though, I genuinely think that he wants to fulfill his second term as governor of Florida, as he said he would, because in my mind, DeSantis is a man of principle and he does keep his word. So he's going to keep his word to the, to his fellow Floridians and finish his term out. And then we'll see where things go in 2028. So I don't, you know, I think that's why he's not running. Uh, And, you know, the other thing, kind of adding on to that is all in all, uh, you know, he hasn't named a successor yet for governor of Florida. And I think he's going to want to do that before the end of his term as governor is up. He's going to, you know, want to name a successor kind of, you know, someone to endorse who can continue his work, uh, you know, as governor. And whether that be Lieutenant Governor New, Governor uh, Janet Nunez or somebody else, I'm not sure yet. But I definitely think that he will want to uh, pick someone as his quote-unquote successor for Governor of Florida. But I just don't think that that's, uh, you know, he's not ready to do that yet. He's ready to, uh, you know... His only goal is to, uh, you know, keep on serving as governor of Florida. And he's doing a pretty good job so far. Okay, so with that out of the way, I want to, uh, you know, I want to draw your attention now to uh, Trump's CPAC remarks. Uh, this weekend, and there was a lot of, um, you know, there there was a lot of things that he said again to our speech, but his, his main takeaway it seems to be Biden. He has made it abundantly clear that his that he wants a rematch against Biden in twenty twenty four. That is that is his big purpose. 
Right now, that is his main focus. And then, and then he is going to finish what he started as president uh, in 2016. So this ought to be uh, this ought to be interesting, folks. Uh, so let's play the clip as soon as I get it uh, queued up. And uh, let's see. Here we go. Okay. So here are some highlights from uh, you know Trump's CPAC speech. Over the weekend, uh, again, this is five minutes out of a uh, you know out of a two-hour uh, speech. So I, I recommend that everyone to go and watch that. In fact, I will link uh, you know to Trump's full CPAC speech in the show notes because I definitely think it is worth watching. Um, but here are just some brief uh, you know summaries of. Trump's CPAC speech uh, highlights. Roll the tape. But we have no choice. If we don't do this, our country will be lost forever. People are tired of rhinos and globalists. They want to see America first. That's what they want. It's not too complicated. This is the final battle. They know it. I know it. You know it. Everybody knows it. This is it. Either they win or we win. And if they win, we no longer have a country. And I promise you this, if you put me back in the White House, that beautiful building, but I live in very beautiful buildings, it's not that reason. <laughs> beautiful. That building wasn't the easiest building to live in with what I was put through. And you know, I get a lot of credit. A lot of people say, how do you do it, sir? I had a man come up to me the other day, one of the toughest, strongest people that you can imagine. You all know his name, big businessman, a lot of money, a lot of success, tough as hell. And he said, could I ask you a question, President? What? Friend of mine used to call me Donald, now he calls me President. <laughs> could I ask you a question, President? What? How do you do it? How do you do it? Every day they send you subpoenas. Every day they're after you. They're looking to take you down at levels that nobody's ever put up with before. Seven years I've gone through this. We beat them all, but it continues. And he said to me, seriously, how do you do it? I could never do it. This is one of the toughest guys. I said, maybe you could. He said, nope, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get out of bed in the morning, but I do it for you, and that's what I'm doing it for. I do it for you. And if you put me back in the White House, their reign is over. Their reign will be over. And they know it. And America will be a free nation once again. We're not a free nation right now. We don't have free press. We don't have free anything. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Not going to let this happen. Not going to let it happen. I will totally obliterate the deep state. I will fire. unelected bureaucrats and shadow forces okay now i just want to pause here real quick because notice in those three minutes folks this is only a five minute clip but notice in just those three minutes that we played so far he is funny 
he's making jokes about, you know, living in the White House versus living in Mar-a-Lago. He's getting laughs from the crowd. He, you know, he's pithy. He's engaging. The crowd is cheering. They're whooping it up. They're, they're super engaged. And of course, you know, Trump's critics will be like, well, that's just because he has a cult of personality and, you know, whatnot, blah, blah, blah. You know, that that's that's Trump's cult-like behavior uh, kicking in. And granted, that might be true to a certain extent. But you cannot tell me that a crowd like that is, I mean, I'm sure that there were people in that crowd who were cheering, who have had disagreements with Trump, you know, who, like me, and I, I, I will admit this, there are moments, right, where Trump has tweeted something or he has said something, and we, we've all had those you know, facepalm moments. Like, you know, why did he tweet that? Why did he say that? Right? Trump definitely has had his blunders. There is no denying that. However, Trump's energy when he's on, when he when Trump has his mojo, there's no denying. Even the left can't deny this that when Trump has his mojo going. It's uncontainable. And so, you know, notice the difference between Trump and that of Nikki Haley or Mike Pompeo, who, yeah, Mike Pompeo and Nikki Haley, they might be more eloquent, they might be more statesmanlike, but they're not that engaging. And so, therefore, they're only getting a small, you know, they're getting polite clapping from a few people in the back row at the most. You know, whereas Trump is being energized and the crowd loves it. Who have weaponized our justice system like it has never been weaponized before. It's sick. These are sick people. And I will put the people back in charge of this country again. The people will be back in charge of our country. The Biden administration is the most corrupt administration in American history. Hunter Biden is a criminal and nothing happened to him. Nothing happened. Joe Biden is a criminal and nothing ever seems to happen to him. Because, you know, say what you want, but the Democrats stick together. They don't have Mitt Romney. They don't have guys like that. They, they stick together. How's Mitt Romney doing? Not too good. I could name plenty of others, too. But they do stick together, whether you like them or not, and many of us don't, but maybe someday we get together. You know, a question was asked of me just before COVID came. And that's the other thing, too, is Trump recognizes that the Democrats do stick together. And this is something that Republicans just simply don't do the conservative movement is so is so fractured the right is fractured it's unbelievable in all honesty and this unit this lack of unity this is why the democrats more often than not seem to win even when they do, uh, you know, criminal things like election fraud and whatnot and stealing elections, et cetera, et cetera, they can afford to do that because there's no cohesion and there's no unity. And Trump understands, you know, in, in the Rep Republican Party.
there's no cohesion and there's no unity on our side. And whereas the Democrats do have that on their side. So they can get away with murder pretty much. And Trump understands that. Amen. They said the country is coming together. Do you think this is real? And I said to myself, it is real. It's amazing. I was getting calls from radical left people, the nicest calls. It's amazing because we had the best employment numbers in history. We had the best economy in history. We were lapping China. China was supposed to have taken over as the world's largest economy. And we were actually increasing at a level that nobody thought possible. We were doing great. And then you had COVID come in and a lot of things had to happen and we did a great job. We never got the credit for that job, but we did a great job with COVID and then gave back something very strong. But we were really bringing this country together. Had COVID not come in, I think you would have had a much different, because a lot of people want to know, can we all get along together? And I, if I didn't have that experience, I would say no, because the, you know, the thought process is so different, but we were starting to really get along. So again, he's talking about unity and, and, you know, ignore this. This is just a Newsmax uh, ad at the end of the video. But again, Trump is talking about unity. He's talking about bringing the country together. He's got people laughing, chuckling. And again, even if you, like me, have had moments where, you know, Trump... You know, Trump says some abrasive things, and there is no doubt that he can be an asshole at times, right? But this is the Donald Trump. When we see this Trump, he's on fire. He's got his mojo back, and at this right, there's no doubt that he's going to be. I mean, I mean, he already is the front runner, but with this type of energy. He's going to be the nominee again in 2024. Mark my words. It's just that simple. So that's pretty much the summary I have uh, for uh, CPAC 23. Like I said, minus uh, Trump's speech, very lackluster this year, ladies and gentlemen. Not a whole lot to discuss, in all honesty. Um, really, not a lot of energy. Kind of disappointing. But you guys wanted the CPAC summary, so there you have it. Uh, before we go, though, I do kind of want to uh, end the Monday show with a little palate cleanser uh, for you all. Uh, because this weekend, Chris Rock's new uh, comedy special on Netflix um, dropped, and he had a few, uh, you know, choice words to say about his uh, confrontation with Will Smith last year at the Oscars, uh, and this clip was going around. A couple, you know, all throughout the weekend. And uh, this was actually the name of his special uh, that's out on Netflix. Pretty good. Uh, Selective Outrage, which is a fitting title and just kind of sums up things uh, in the country as a whole. So here's, uh, you know, here's an excerpt from that special and Chris Rock talking about his confrontation with Will Smith and kind of of the fall from that. Getting smacked by Suge Smith. Everybody knows. Everybody fucking knows. Yes, it happened. I got smacked like a year ago. Fucking last week, I got smacked at the fucking Oscars by this motherfucker. And people like, did it hurt? It still hurts. <laughs> I got summertime ringing in my ear.
fucking drums, please. But I'm not a victim, baby. You will never see me on Oprah or Gail crying. You will never see it. Never gonna happen. I couldn't believe it. And I love men in black. No. It's never gonna happen. No. Fuck that shit. I took that hit like Pacquiao, motherfucker. I took it like motherfucking Pacquiao, okay? Shit, man. Did it hurt? Yeah, motherfucking hurt. And people are like, well, you guys are fighting all the time. We're not fighting. First of all, I know you can't tell on camera, Will Smith is significantly bigger than me. We are not the same size, okay? We are not. It's got this guy, Will Smith does movies with his shirt off. You've never seen me do a movie with my shirt off. If I'm in a movie getting open heart surgery, I got on a sweater. Will Smith played Muhammad Ali in a movie. You think I auditioned for that part? He played Muhammad Ali. I played Pookie in New Jack City. Motherfucker, I played a piece of corn in Pudetang. <laughs> Shit, even in animation, this motherfucker's bigger. I'm a zebra, he's a shark. <laughs> what the fuck, man? But, but, Will Smith practices selective outrage. Practices selective Outrage, because everybody knows what the fuck happened. Everybody that really knows, knows I had nothing to do with that shit. I didn't have any entanglements. I did. I did not have any entanglement. And for people that don't know what everybody knows, his wife was fucking her son's friend, okay? Now, I normally would not talk about this shit. But for some reason, these niggas put that shit on the internet. I have no idea why two talented people would do something that fucking low down. What the fuck? It, we all been cheated on. Everybody in here have been cheated on. None of us have ever been interviewed by the person that cheated on us on television. None of us. It's like, hey, I was sucking somebody else's dick. How did that make you feel? <laughs> Why the fuck would you do that shit? She hurt him way more than he hurt me, okay? Okay? And by the way, he does shit. Everybody in the world called him a bitch. I tried to call the motherfucker and give him my condolences. He ain't pick up for me. Everybody called that man a bitch. Fucking Charlemagne called him a bitch. And the Breakfast Club called him a bitch. And the View and the Talk and every rapper and, and fucking the Drink Champs called him a fucking bitch. Everybody called him a bitch. They called his wife a predator. Everybody called him a bitch. <laughs> Everybody. Everybody. And who's he hit? Me. <laughs> A nigga he know he could beat. That is some bitch ass shit. <laughs> That's what the fuck happened. Okay? The fuck out of here, man. The fuck? What the fuck? I do nothing to this motherfucker, okay? His, whatever. Years ago, his wife said, I, I should quit the Oscars. I shouldn't host, because her man didn't get nominated for emancipation. The biggest piece of shit ever, okay? And then so the nigga gives me a fucking, a, a fucking concussion. No, not emancipation. I fucked up the joke. Concussion. She fucking said he should quit. Because Will didn't get nominated for concussion. What the fuck? What 
So then I do some jokes about her. Who gives a fuck? That's how it is. She starts it, I finish it, okay? That's what the fuck happened. Nobody's picking on this bitch. She started this shit. Nobody was picking on her. Nobody was picking on her. She said, a me, a fucking grown ass man should quit his job because her husband did get nominated for concussion. So that, uh, you know, that was, that was a pretty good bit. Uh, that is, and yeah, that is basically a good summary of, uh, you know, what happened, uh, in regards to the Will Smith, you know, versus Chris Rock situation. And, and there are people on Twitter, oh, he shouldn't talk about that. He shouldn't, you know, he shouldn't have put that in the special. No, he he deserved to go off. He deserved to put that in his special, which, uh, you know, the entirety of the the special is pretty uh, good. I, I didn't see the whole thing, but I I did see. I started watching it last night, and I believe that joke comes in more towards the end. But uh, overall, it's pretty good. So check out uh, Selective Outrage on Netflix if you have it. Um, and yeah, it's a good special. So anyway, uh, folks, I want to thank you all for uh, tuning in to the show. And um, I hope everyone has a good Monday. And we'll be back on Wednesday, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern for the live show on uh, Rumble and Odyssey. Uh, not sure who our guest is going to be for this week yet. We've still uh, got a few guests I'm in talks with. Uh, I've already got some guests lined up for next week, but uh, they couldn't do it this week. So we're, we're going to do it uh, next week. Uh, but I shall have a guest by Wednesday, so I will announce probably either later tonight or tomorrow who that is. Uh, but anyway, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and, uh, you know, listening and or watching. Uh, God bless. God save this great nation. God freedom legacy in that order. And I will see you on Wednesday night for the live show. Thanks for listening to The Whitfield Report on the NGC Network please visit Sam's website at www.thesamwhitfield.com and support Sam on Patreon at patreon.com slash whitfieldreport. Until next time, God bless, God save this great nation, and God, freedom, legacy, in that order.